Book One, Canto Eleven, The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book One. The Legend of the Knight of Red Cross. Canto Eleven. The knight with that old dragon fights two days incessantly. The third him overthrows, and gains most glorious victory. High time now Gannet wakes for Una fair, To think of those her captive parents dear, And therefore wasted kingdom to repair, Whereto, whenas they now approached near, With hearty words her knight she gan to cheer, And in her modest manner thus bespake, Dear knight, as dear as ever knight was dear, That all these sorrows suffer for my sake, High heaven behold the tedious toil ye for me take. Now are we come unto my native soil, And to the place where all our perils dwell. Here haunts that fiend, and does his daily spoil. Therefore, henceforth be at your keeping well, And ever ready for your foeman fell. The spark of noble courage now awake, And strive your excellent self to excel, That shall ye evermore renowned make, Above all knights on earth that battle undertake. And pointing forth, lo yonder is, said she, the brazen tower in which my parents dear, for dread of that huge fiend imprisoned be, whom I from far see on the walls appear, whose sight my feeble soul doth greatly cheer, and on the top of all I do espy, the watchman waiting tidings glad to hear, that my parents might I happily unto you bring, to ease you of your misery. With that they heard a roaring hideous sound, that all the air with terror filled wide, and seemed unneath to shake the steadfast ground. Eftsoons that dreadful dragon they espied, where stretched he lay upon the sunny side of a great hill, himself like a great hill. But all so soon, as he from far descried those glistering arms that heaven with light did fill, he roused himself full blithe, and hastened them until. Then bade the knight his lady yield aloof, and to an hill herself withdraw aside, from whence she might behold that battle's proof, and eke be safe from danger far descried. She him obeyed, and turned a little wide. Now, O thou sacred muse, most learned dame, fair imp of Phoebus and his aged bride, the nurse of time and everlasting fame, that warlike hands ennoblest with immortal name. O gently, come into my feeble breast, Come gently, but not with that mighty rage Wherewith the martial troops thou dost infest, And hearts of great heroes dost enrage. That naught their kindled courage may assuage, Soon as thy dreadful trump begins to sound, The god of war, with his fierce equipage, Thou dost awake. Sleep never he so sound, And scared nations dost with horror stern astound. Fair goddess, lay that furious fit aside, Till I of wars and bloody Mars do sing, And Britain fields with Saracen blood bedyed, Twixt that great fairy queen and Paynim king, That with their horror heaven and earth did ring. A work of labour long, and endless praise, But now a while let down that haughty string, And to my tunes thy second tenor raise, That I this man of God his godly arms may blaze. 
By this the dreadful beast drew nigh to hand, half flying and half footing in his haste, that with his largeness measured much land, and made wide shadow under his huge waist, as mountain doth the valley overcast. Approaching nigh he reared high afore his body monstrous, horrible and vast, which to increase his wondrous greatness more, was swollen with wrath and poison and with bloody gore, and over all with brazen scales was armed, like plated coat of steel, so couched near, that naught mote purse, nor might his course be harmed with dint of sword, nor push of pointed spear, which as an eagle, seeing prey appear, his airy plumes doth rouse, full rudely dight, so shaked he, that horror was to hear, for as the clashing of an armour bright, such noise his roused scales did send unto the night. His flaggy wings, when forth he did display, were like two sails, in which the hollow wind is gathered full, and worketh speedy way, and eke the penners that did his pinions bind, were like mainyards, with flying canvas lined, with which whenas him list the air to beat, and there by force unwanted passage find. The clouds before him fled for terror great, and all the heavens stood still, amazed with his threat. His huge, long tail, wound up in hundred folds, does overspread his long, brass scaly back, whose wreathed boughs, whenever he unfolds, and thick entangled knots adown does slack, bespotted with all shields of red and black, it sweepeth all the land behind him far, and of three furlongs does but little lack, and at the point two stings infixed are, both deadly sharp, that sharpest steel exceeding far. But stings and sharpest steel did far exceed the sharpness of his cruel rending claws. Dead was it sure, as sure as death indeed, whatever thing does touch his ravenous paws, or what within his reach he ever draws. But his most hideous head my tongue to tell does tremble, for his deep devouring jaws wide gaped like the grisly mouth of hell, through which into his dark abyss all raving fell and that more wondrous was, in either jaw, three ranks of iron teeth enranged were, in which yet trickling blood and gobbets roar of late devoured bodies did appear. That sight thereof bred cold congealed fear, which to increase, and as at once to kill, a cloud of smothering smoke and sulphur sear, out of his stinking gorge forth steamed still, that all the air about with smoke and stench did fill. His blazing eyes, like two bright shining shields, did burn with wrath, and sparkled living fire, as two broad beacons set in open fields send forth their flame as far off to every shire, and warning give that enemies conspire with fire and sword the region to invade. So flamed his eye with rage and rancorous ire, but far within, as in a hollow glade, those glaring lamps were set that made a dreadful shade. So dreadfully he towards him did pass, For lifting up aloft his speckled breast, And off bounding on the bruised grass, As of great joyance of his new-come guest, Eftsoons he gan advance his haughty crest, As chauffeured bore his bristles doth uprear, And shook his scales to battle ready dressed, That made the red-cross knight nigh quake for fear, As bidding bold defiance to his foeman near. The knight gan fairly couch his steady spear, and fiercely ran at him with rigorous might. The pointed steel arriving rudely there, his harder hide would neither pierce nor bite, but glancing forth past forward right, 
Yet saw a move with so puissant push, The wrathful beast about him turned light, And him so rudely passing by, Did brush with his long tail, That horse and man to ground did rush. Both horse and man up lightly rose again, And fresh encounter towards him addressed, But the idle stroke yet back recoiled in vain, And found no place in his deadly point to rest. Exceeding rage inflamed the furious beast, To be avenged of so great despite, for never felt his imperceivable breast so wondrous force from hand of living wight, yet had he proved the power of many a puissant knight. Then with his waving wings displayed wide, himself up high he lifted from the ground, and with strong flight did forcibly divide the yielding air, which nigh too feeble found her flitting parts, and element unsound, to bear so great a weight, he cutting way with his broad sails, about him soared round, at last, low stooping with unwieldy sway, snatched up both horse and man to bear them quite away. Long he then bore above the subject plain, so far as Eugen bow a shaft may send, till struggling strong did him at last constrain to let them down before his flighter's end, as haggard hawk presuming to contend with hardy fowl above his hable might, his weary pounces all in vain doth spend to truss the prey too heavy for his flight, which coming down to ground, does free itself by fight. He so deceased of his griping gross, the knight his thrillant spear again assayed in his brass-plated body to emboss, and three men's strength unto the stroke he laid, wherewith the stiff became quakered, as afraid, and glancing from his scaly neck did glide close under his left wing, then broad displayed, the piercing steel there wrought a wound full wide, That with the uncouth smart the monster loudly cried. He cried, as raging seas are wont to roar, When wintry storm his wrathful neck does threat. The rolling billows beat the ragged shore, As they the earth would shoulder from her seat, And greedy gulf does gape, As he would eat his neighbour element in his revenge. Then gin the blustering brethren boldly threat, To move the world from off his steadfast henge, and boisterous battle make each other to avenge. The steely head stuck fast still in his flesh, till with his cruel claws he snatched the wood, and quite asunder broke. Forth flowed fresh a gushing river of black gory blood, that drowned all the land whereon he stood. The stream thereof would drive a water-mill. Trebly augmented was his furious mood, with bitter sense of his deep-rooted ill, the flames of fire he threw forth from his large nose-thrill. His hideous tail then hurled he about, and therewith all enwrapped the nimble thighs of his froth-foamy steed, whose courage stout, striving to loose the knot that fast him ties, himself in straighter bands too rash implies, that to the ground he is perforce constrained to throw his rider, who can quickly rise from off the earth, with dirty blood disdained, for that reproachful fall right foully he disdained, and fiercely took his trenchant blade in hand, with which he stroked so furious and so fell, that nothing seemed the puissance could withstand, upon his crest the hardened iron fell, but his more hardened crest was armed so well, that deeper dint therein it would not make, yet so extremely did the buff him quell, that from thenceforth he shunned the like to take, but when he saw them come, he did them still forsake. The knight was wrath to see his stroke beguiled, And smote again with more outrageous might. But back again the sparkling steel recoiled, 
and left not any mark where it did light, as if in adamant rock it had been pight. The beast impatient of his smarting wound, and of so fierce and forcible despite, thought with his wings to stye above the ground, but his late wounded wing unserviceable found. Then full of grief and anguish vehement, he loudly brayed, that like was never heard, and from his wide devouring oven sent a flake of fire, that flashing in his beard, him all amazed and almost made afeard, the scorching flame saw swinged all his face, and through his armour all his body seared, that he could not endure so cruel case, but thought his arms to leave, and helmets to unlace. Not that great champion of the antique world, whom famous poet's verse so much doth vaunt, and hath for twelve huge labours high extolled, so many furies and sharp fits did haunt, when him the poisoned garment did enchaunt with centaur's blood, and bloody verses charmed, as did this knight twelve thousand dollars daunt, whom fiery steel now burnt, that erst him armed, that erst him goodly armed, now most of all him harmed. Faint, weary, sore, emboiled, grieved, brent with heat, toil, wounds, arms, smart, and inward fire, that never man such mischiefs did torment, death better were, death did he oft desire, but death will never come when needs require, whom so dismayed when that his foe beheld, he cast to suffer him no more respire, but gan his sturdy stern about to weld, and him so strongly stroke, that to the ground him felled. It fortuned, as fair it then befell, behind his back unweeting where he stood, of ancient time there was a springing well, from which fast trickled forth a silver flood, full of great virtues, and for medicine good, while home, before that cursed dragon got that happy land, and all with innocent blood defiled those sacred waves, it rightly hot the well of life, nor yet his virtues had forgot. For unto life the dead it could restore, and guilt of sinful crimes clean wash away, those that with sickness were infected sore, it could recure, an aged long decay renew, as one were born that very day. Both Silo this and Jordan did excel, and the English bath and eke the German spow. Nor can Cephis nor Hebrus match this well, into the same night back overthrown fell. Now gan the golden Phoebus for to steep his fiery face in billows of the west, and his faint steeds watered in ocean deep whilst from their journal labours they did rest, when that infernal monster, having cast his weary throe into that living well, can high advance his broad discoloured breast above his wonted pitch with countenance fell, and clapped his iron wings as victor he did dwell. Which when this pensive lady saw from far, great woe and sorrow did her soul essay, as weaning that the sad end of the war, and gan to highest God entirely pray, that feared chance from her to turn away. With folded hands and knees full lowly bent, all night she watched, nor once a downward lay, her dainty limbs in her sad dreariment, but praying still did wake, and waking did lament. The morrow next gan early to appear, that Titan rose to run his daily race. But early ere the morrow next gan rear, out of the sea-fair Titan's dewy face uprose the gentle virgin from her place and looked all about, if she might spy her loved knight to move his manly pace, for she had great doubt of his safety, since late she saw him fall before his enemy. 
At last she ware he upstarted brave out of the well, wherein he drenched lay, as eagle fresh out of the ocean wave, where he hath left his plumes all hoary grey, and decked himself with feathers youthly gay. Like Ias hawk up mountains unto the skies, his newly budded pinions to assay, and marvels at himself, still as he flies, so new this new-born knight to battle new did rise. Whom when the damned fiend so fresh did spy, no wonder if he wondered at the sight, and doubted whether his late enemy it were, or other new supplied knight, he now to prove his late renewed might, high brandishing his bright dew-burning blade upon his crested skull so sore did smite, that to the skull a yawning wound it made, the deadly dint his dulled senses all dismayed. I wot not whether the revenging steel were hardened with that holy water dew wherein he fell, or sharper edge did feel, or his baptized hands now greater grew, or other secret virtue did ensue, else never could the force of fleshly arm nor molten metal in his blood embrew, for till that stone could never wipe him harm, by subtlety nor slight nor might nor mighty charm. The cruel wound enraged him so sore, that loud he yelled for exceeding pain, as hundred ramping lions seemed to roar, whom ravenous hunger did thereto constrain. Then gan he toss aloft his stretched train, and therewith scourge the buxom air so sore, that to his force to yielden it was fain. Nor aught his sturdy strokes might stand afore, that high trees overthrew, and rocks in pieces tore. The same advancing high above his head, with sharp intending sting so rude him smote, that to the earth him drove, as stricken dead, nor living white would have him life behote. The mortal sting his angry needle shot, quite through his shield, and in his shoulder ceased, where fast it stuck, nor would thereout be got. The grief thereof him wondrous sore diseased, nor might his rankling pain with patience be appeased. But yet, more mindful of his honour dear than of the grievous smart which him did wring, from loathed soil he can him lightly rear, and strove to loose the far-infixed sting, which when in vain he tried with struggling, inflamed with wrath, his raging blade he heft, and stroke so strongly that the knotty string of his huge tail he quite asunder cleft. Five joints thereof he hewed, and but the stump him left. Heart cannot think what outrage and what cries, with foul enfolded smoke and flashing fire, the hell-bred beast threw forth unto the skies, that all was covered with darkness dire, then fraught with rancour and engorged ire, he cast at once him to avenge for all, and gathering up himself out of the mire, with his uneven wings did fiercely fall upon his sun-bright shield, and gripped it fast with all. Much was the man encumbered with his hold, in fear to lose his weapon in his paw, nor wist yet how his talents to unfold, nor harder was from Cerberus's greedy jaw, to pluck a bone than from his cruel claw, to reave by strength the griped gauge away. Thrice he essayed it from his foot to draw, and thrice in vain to draw it did essay. It booted naught to think, to rob him of his prey. Though when he saw no power might prevail, his trusty sword he called to his last aid, wherewith he fiercely did his foe assail, and double blows about him stoutly laid, that glancing fire out of the iron played, as sparks from the anvil used to fly, when heavy hammers on the wedger swayed. Therewith at last he forced him to untie one of his grasping feet, him to defend thereby. 
The other foot, fast fixed on his shield, when as no strength nor strokes mote him constrain to loose, nor yet the warlike pledge to yield, he smote thereat with all his might and main, that nought so wondrous presence might sustain, upon the joint the lucky steel did light, and made such way that hewed it quite in twain. The poor yet missed not his minished might, but hung still on the shield, as it at first was pight. For grief thereof, and devilish despite, from his infernal furnace forth he threw huge flames, that dimmered all the heaven's light, and rolled in duskish smoke and brimstone blue, as burning Edna from his boiling stew doth belch out flames, and rocks in pieces broke, and flagged ribs of mountains molten new, enwrapped in coal-black clouds and filthy smoke, that all the land with stench, and heaven with horror choke. The heat whereof, and harmful pestilence, so sore him noid, that forced him to retire a little backwards for his best defence, to save his body from the scorching fire, which he from hellish entrails did expire. It chanced eternal God that chance did guide, as he recoiled backwards in the mire, his nigh forewearied feeble feet did slide, and down he fell, with dread of shame sore terrified. There grew a goodly tree him fair beside, loaden with fruit and apples rosy red, as they in pure vermilion had been dyed, whereof great virtues over all were red. For happy life to all, which thereon fed, and life eke everlasting did befall. Great God it planted in that blessed stead, with his almighty hand, and did it call the tree of life, the crime of our first father's fall. In all the world like was not to be found, save in that soil where all good things did grow, and freely sprung out of the fruitful ground, as incorrupted nature did them sow, till that dread dragon did all overthrow, another like fair tree eke grew thereby, whereof who so did eat, eftsoons did know both good and ill. O mournful memory! That tree through one man's fault hath doen us all to die. From that first tree forth flowed, as from a well, a trickling stream of balm, most sovereign and dainty dear, which on the ground still fell, and overflowed all the fertile plain, as it had dewed been with timely rain. Life and long health that gracious ointment gave, and deadly wounds could heal, and rear again the senseless course appointed for the grave. And to that same he fell, which did from death him save. For nigh thereto the ever-damned beast durst not approach, for he was deadly made, and all that life preserved did detest. Yet he it off adventured to invade, By this the drooping daylight gan to fade, And yield his room to sad succeeding night, Who with her sable mantle gan to shade The face of earth, and ways of living white, And high her burning torch set up in heaven bright. When gentle Una saw the second fall of her dear knight, Who weary of long fight, and faint through loss of blood, Moved not at all, but lay as in a dream of deep delight, Besmeared with precious balm, whose virtuous might did heal his wounds, and scorching heat allay. Again she stricken was with sore affright, and for his safety gan devoutly pray, and watch the noyous night, and wait for joyous day. The joyous day gan early to appear, and fair Aurora from the dewy bed of aged Tython gan herself to rear, with rosy cheeks, for shame as blushing red, her golden locks for haste were loosely shed about her ears, when Una did her mark, climbed to her chariot, all with flowers spread, 
from heaven high to chase the cheerless dark with merry note her loud salutes the morning lark then freshly up arose the doughty knight all healed of his hurts and wounders wide and did himself to battle ready dight whose early foe awaiting him beside to have devoured so soon as day he spied when now he saw himself so freshly rear as if late fight had not him damnified he walks dismayed and gan his fate to fear nathless with wonted rage he him advanced near and in his first encounter gaping wide he thought at once him to have swallowed quite and rushed upon him with outrageous pride who him encountering fierce as hawk in flight perforce rebutted back the weapon bright taking advantage of his open jaw ran through his mouth the so importune might that deep impierced his darksome hollow maw and back retired his life-blood forth with all did draw so down he fell and forth his life did breathe that vanished into smoke and clouded swift so down he fell that the earth him underneath did groan as feeble so great load to lift so down he fell as an huge rocky clift whose false foundation waves have washed away with dreadful poise is from the mainland rift and rolling down great neptune doth dismay so down he fell and like an heaped mountain lay the knight himself even trembled at his fall so huge and horrible a mass it seemed and his dear lady that beheld it all durst not approach for dread which she misdeemed but yet at last when as the direful fiend she saw not stir oft shaking vain affright she nigher drew and saw the joyous end then god she praised and thanked her faithful knight that had achieved so great a conquest by his might end of canto 11 book 1 the legend of the knight of red cross